Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're continuing our discussion on dreams and premonitions with a focus this week on premonitions. Now studies have shown that 30% of people are said to have dreams and or premonitions that later come true. However, a lot of people, according to a study done by Psychology Today, say that that figure is probably much higher. But even if that statistic is true, think about it. One out of every three people you meet has had a dream that has come true. Even in the Bible, in the book of Joel, it says, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So we've, throughout the ages, we have read stories about people who have had dreams, premonitions, feelings that have later come true. And when I was doing research for this show, Denise, I came across this really cool article from the New York Times. I will try to remember to post it on our Facebook page because it's really long and in-depth, but it talks about this psychiatrist named John Barker. He lived in England in the 1960s, and he started something called the Premonitions Bureau. And every week he would publish in the newspaper a request for anyone that had dream premonitions to send them in and then he would study them. Wouldn't that be cool if they were still doing that today? It would. would love that. So how it started was that there was this awful, awful, awful event in 1966 called the Aberfan landslide where nearly 150 children and adults were killed when waste from a coal mine buried a school in South Wales. So Dr. Barker went to the town, he spoke with the residents, and he realized many of them had experienced some type of premonition about the disaster. Even some of the children who had died had mentioned dreams and premonitions of dying in the days before the landslide. So he decided to take an ad out in the London newspaper asking anyone who had experienced a premonition before the landslide to send a written account. He received more than 60 replies about half of them mentioned the dream of the disaster. So that's when he decided to create this premonitions bureau. And people who wrote into him and called him reported premonitions of airline crashes, horse race wins, and even RFK's assassination. You might think like, if you have a dream that an airplane is gonna crash, you might be like, okay, like that, that does happen unfortunately. But these people were calling in and saying, I think an airline is going to crash in the next two days and 124 people will die. Wow. Days later, a plane in England crashed and 124 people died. You know, so very, very specific. What's, here's like a really weird PS to this Premonition Bureau story. Two of his best psychic predictors who had these dream premonitions actually predicted his death at the age of 44. Oh, and, I know. And he did die at 44. Isn't that sad? Oh, my. I know. So here are some cool, like, premonition dreams that I found when I was doing this research. In 1979, David Booth had the same recurring nightmare for 10 consecutive nights. Each night, he dreamt of a plane veering off the runway and bursting into flames. He called the FAA and American Airlines, and they both listened to him. They took him seriously but there was really nothing they could do with the information because he didn't tell them where or when. But a few weeks later on May 25th, 1979, American Airlines Flight 191 crashed moments after taking off from O'Hare. And this is exactly what he had told them. He saw a plane taking off from a big airport, veering left and then crashing. And that's what happened. But listen to this weird part. The actress, Lindsay Wagner, do you remember her, the bionic? Mm -hmm. She was supposed to be on flight 191, but the minute she got to the airport, she started to feel sick and she didn't want to be ill on the plane. So she left the airport and said she immediately felt better. And then when she got home, she saw the news that the flight she was supposed to be on had crashed. Don't Don't you think sometimes people can accurately tune into that and save themselves it's almost like some of this stuff is uh meant to be i agree and it's similar to if you're 
driving somewhere and all of a sudden you take a different route because just something intuitively is saying, no, I need to go around that way rather than go right through town or I need to take a left turn instead of a right and you divert, uh, you miss an accident or you're late leaving home and you're, I mean, I do. I think that there, it all is very, very interconnected because I think a lot of people that do have premonition dreams or precognitive dreams it can be upsetting sometimes because they, they may, some of it may be mundane. You dream that your best friend gets the job that she's wanted, or you dream about a company getting in touch with you for an interview, or you dream about meeting someone, or you dream about an old friend, and then they show up two days later. So all of those just normal parts of our lives that might be something about a conversation that you have or a place you can visit in the future, and they can be really literal. But then when you have, if you're used to having those dreams and then you have something that feels a little more foreboding, that can be kind of overwhelming. So I think that that's important to, um, to keep in mind that it doesn't always mean that it's a bad warning. No, definitely not. Larry Dossey wrote a book on premonitions and he was asked, why do you think premonitions are so often about negative things? And he said, because premonition dreams are mainly about survival. He says, if you know that something life-threatening is approaching, you have a chance to avoid it. This would increase your chance of staying alive and reproducing our evolutionary imperative. That's probably why premonitions are often about threats to our existence, why they have become built into our biology, and why probably everyone has a premonition sense to some degree. Now, I agree with that. Who's going to disagree with Dr. Larry Dossey, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think that a lot of times premonition dreams are negative because negative energy is so heavy and dense that it's closer to our dimension that we exist on in this earth. And so it's easier for the average person to pick up on. Whereas lighter energy of like more positive information ha- vibrates at a higher frequency. And I think you have to be more in tune with your psychic ability to pick up on that. What do you think? I agree. And I think, from from what I've read, the warning dreams, there's a lot of times there's a greater urgency than in other prophetic types of dreams. They may be a little more disturbing and frightening, but they also usually require some action in the immediate future. So is it something that you're, is there something coming up that you, you need or want to change? Is it something that there's no point in warning you about something if you can't change it? So are you just in that stress mode of worrying about something that could possibly happen, or is it an actual premonition to say, heads up? Now, what pops into my head is years and years ago, my father had passed quite a while before, and I had a dream where he looked so sad, like incredibly sad, and he was on a bus, and we were both on this bus, and he looked incredibly sad, and I woke up and I thought, what? I know he's trying to warn me about something, He didn't say anything, but I could feel it so strongly. And like a week after that, there was this pretty horrific incident that happened. And I know he was letting me know that was coming up, but I wasn't able to make the connection until after the event actually occurred. Sometimes the warning is there and it's clear, you know, there's something, but you, you can't make the connection. So that, that can be a little um, uncomfortable at times. Yeah, because you can feel kind of responsible in a way. It's important to record it. And then what I do is if I have a premonition dream that kind of freaks me out, I just pray about it. Like I had a weird dream in 2017. It was either the end of May or the beginning of June. And I had a dream that I was on a train and I got off the train and I walked to this bridge and I saw people being injured. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And I've never been to England, but I have been to France. So for I don't know if I just confabulated in my mind that I was in France, but I knew I was in Europe, but I thought it was France. And I wrote the dream down and I thought, oh my gosh. And I told anyone who would listen, I think there's going to be a terrorist attack in, in France like soon. And then the next month we had that terror attack on London Bridge. Oh, And I felt really weird about that. And I don't know if that guy was on a train right before he went on the bridge, but I don't know. I just, I think you can feel kind of weirdly, not, not responsible, but kind of like 
why would I be given this dream if I'm in America and I'm just tooling around in my minivan? Like, what can I do? But I did pray about it a lot. And, and hopefully that's, that contributed to them apprehending him. I don't know. I just, I do think that our prayers and our positive energy impact the whole. So, right. And sometimes if it's a warning in a dream, you might think about, oh, well, that was nothing. It was just a dream. I'm still going to go with this decision or I'm still going to go with this activity. But as you start moving more in that direction, your fear or or your discomfort might get stronger and stronger. And that can be a red flag of this was more of a warning dream than just my anxiety kicking in. And to go back to that dream about my father and the, the warning, it was a very personal thing for me that occurred that I know he was trying to say, don't worry, you'll get through this, but just be ready because that rug is going to be pulled. Wow. So um, again, if you have a, a close contact with someone that does come through in your dreams, that can be really helpful. Because I always do tend to give more credence to my dreams that people I know in spirit are in, don't you? Oh, 100%. I don't consider them dreams. I consider them visits. Yes. Sometimes you'll have a dream and you can't be sure if it, if it is like my little terrorist dream. I didn't know if, if it was symbolic of, you know, was I going to come under attack in some way on social media or something? I didn't know if it was about me or if it was an actual dream. Carl Jung, he's not sure if he had a dream that predicted World War I. In 1913, he kept having all these dreams about this land flooding. He wrote, I realized that a frightful catastrophe was in progress. I saw mighty yellow waves, the floating rubble of civilization, and the drowned bodies of uncounted thousands. Then the whole sea turned to blood. This same dream repeated a few weeks later. And then in 1914, the dream repeated again, except this time the the land was a frozen wasteland. His last terrifying dream occurred just one month before the start of World War I. But during this time, I believe, is when he was leaving his work with with Freud. And so at first he was like, is this just like the flood of emotions I feel from taking this new step in my career and, and leaving my mentor? Or is it an actual premonition dream? I think that can be an example of, you know, tapping into the collective and not being really sure, which again is why I always say, just pray about it and send healing energy to that image that you saw in your dream. Now, sometimes our premonition dreams are really specific and clear. In that premonition, the power premonition book I mentioned that Dr. Dossie wrote, he talks about a story uh, that centers on a young mom named Amanda. And she was awakened one night by a horrible dream where she saw the chandelier fall in her baby's room and land over her child in the crib. In the dream, she saw a clock in the baby's room that read 4.35 and that wind and rain were hammering the windows. So obviously extremely upset, she awakened her husband and told her her dream. He said it was silly and just to go back to sleep. Don't you hate when people do that? But luckily she ignored that and she went into the baby's room and brought the baby back to bed with her. Soon she was awakened by a loud crash in the baby's room, and she rushed in to see that the chandelier had fallen and crushed the crib. The clock in the room read 4.35, and the wind and rain were howling outside. Her dream premonition was camera-like in detail, including the specific event, the precise time, and even a change in the weather. So that's a dream where you're not scratching your head going, hmm, wonder what that's about. (laughs) But, you know, I've looked into this a lot because the the mother-child connection is one that fascinates me, how moms can just sense that their child is, you know, in danger or having a difficult time. We just, all moms have that psychic sixth sense with their child. And I've always believed it's because there's an energetic cord, like the umbilical cord, that goes from the mom to the child. But science has proven that stem cells from from the baby stay in the mother's body after she's delivered for the rest of her life. She carries a part of that child with her and that child carries a part of that of the mother with her or or him. And so now scientists are wondering if this mother's sixth sense is more on a a cellular basis. 
So I think this is interesting. Is it because then you can get into the linguistics of is it precognition or is it premonition? So precognition is knowing an event's going to happen. It's a brain phenomenon that that will there'll be a definitive statement. There'll be awareness of the future. Whereas premonition is more often considered an emotion. And that goes back to what you're just saying about that mother-child connection is it is probably the strongest emotional connection you have for many because it's, it's that it, I think it triggers those innate um, instinctual parts of our brain with our children. Yeah, so, I do. Um, so I think as we're talking about dreams and these are considered more psychic or intuitive dreams, I think it can be either, but sometimes it's really hard to make sense of the dream until after the event has actually occurred to know whether it was precognition or premonition. Well, premonition, the word I believe is pre-warning or pre-foreboding. Right. I wonder if premonition dreams are more, uh, not of a negative nature, but of a warning nature, whereas precognition is more like a little glimpse, like a, like a coming attraction. That makes sense. Of like a positive thing. I, I'm really good with um, marriage and birth for some reason, and I will often dream of a friend getting pregnant before she gets pregnant or dream of you know, an upcoming marriage for her. And sometimes it's like I had a dream in June that I was walking in the woods with this man and he proposed to me and I said yes. And he said, let's not tell the kids till we're back in, in, in our hometown. And I said, okay. And we come out of the clearing and there's all these sleeping bags around a fire and all the, like his kids and my kids were there and we all were just hanging out. And I woke up and I thought, no effing way no matter how much I love someone, would you catch me in a sleeping bag out under the stars? Like if you're going to take me camping, (laughs) well, that's not the way I'm going to be camping. So I didn't know what the dream meant. And then the next week, my best friend called me and said, um, just got back from the mountains with her boyfriend, his kid and her kids. And she said, he proposed, but we're not telling the kids just yet. We're going to wait a little bit. Oh, so in the dream, it was me, your friend. But it was for my friend, yeah. And it, it happened exactly like they walked in the woods. It was exactly like my dream. But in the dream, it was me, and it wasn't her boyfriend. It was some other guy who was like a mountain guy, like a beard, and I don't know anyone with a beard. You don't know anybody with a beard? I don't. Wow. That's interesting. That is Maybe it's because I live in... I never thought about that, but I don't know anyone. <laughs> little trivia for folks that are listening, right? I know. Um, Maybe it's the beach vibe. Everyone here, I don't know. We're all in flip-flops and no mustaches or beards. Even the young people? Because that's really a a thing for um, younger men. Maybe so. I don't know a lot of young men. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I mean, I've seen people with beards where I live. I just don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Personal circle. There is no facial hair. Okay. But the next, (laughs) you know, and he does not have a beard, her boy, her fiance. But anyway, um, the the dream just kind of freaked me out because, you know, I haven't been on a first date since 1995, uh, have no plans of doing so. And I do not think I will ever marry again. So I remember waking up and going, what the hell did that dream mean? And like I said, Denise, can you picture me camping in a sleeping bag on the bare ground? Um, but No. (laughs) No. I can't give you that one. Nope. But that's exactly what my friend did the following week with her boyfriend. And then he proposed in the woods. So those would be more precognitive because they're happy. Whereas premonitions are more, you know, kind of warnings. Now, there's all sorts of really cool studies they have done on this. Um, there's a whole bunch of pre-sentiment experiments that were done by consciousness researcher Dean Radin where a person sits in front of a computer, which will make a random selection from a large collection of images that are of two types, either calming images or violent images. Calming images may be a lovely scene from nature. Violent images may deal with death, carnage, grisly stuff. The subject has some physiological function being measured, such as the electrical conductivity of the skin or the diameter of the pupil. 
the bodily functions begin to change several seconds before the image is randomly selected by the computer and shown on the screen. The physiological change occurs to a greater degree if the image to be shown is violent in nature. So Dossi asks, how is this possible? How does the body know which image is going to be shown in the future? So did any of his sciency words make sense? So like if, if you're about to see a violent image, moments before the electrode stuff that they have taped to you will pick up that either your heart rate increases or sweat you know, flows out of you quicker when it's a violent image so in the future, randomly picked. That also goes into, uh, you know, picking up the energy in, in the auric field of something, or I, I think that's very, very interesting. Now, I had a dream years ago that, Denise, I think about probably too much because it just freaks me out. And it's going to be hard for me to tell this story because I've never told the actual family about this dream. And I'm discovering that more and more people I know listen to this show, like cousins and second cousins. Mm -hmm. And that kind of freaks me out. But I digress. So I had this dream one night that I woke up in my room. I go out into my kitchen and my mother-in-law Maggie is there with a female family relative. How's that for vague? And Maggie says to me, to the woman, oh no, she says to the woman, go ahead, tell her, tell Samantha. And the woman looks at me and says, I've listened to everything you've been telling me. You two have been telling me for months and I agree. You guys are right. It's best that I transition now. And in the dream, I knew exactly what they were talking about and I was so excited for her and I hugged her and then Maggie hugged the two of us. And I said to her, you are going to see, your kids are going to flourish. And she said, I know, I know, you're right. And she helped, she squeezed my hands and she said again, you're right, I know, it's time. And I woke up and I woke up Mike and I said to him, I think your female relative is going to pass soon. And Mm -hmm. he said, what the hell are you talking about? She's 58, she's in perfect health. She just retired, they just built a house. And her kids need her. Like one, one kid had never been married and was like 35 and was just struggling with that. The other one had just lost his wife and leaving him with two kids. And the other one had just gone through a very contentious divorce. And so he was like, this is the worst time for her to die. I said, I know. I don't understand the dream either, but this is what your mom said. And in the dream, I agreed. And it sounded like we were trying to convince her. And he's like, that's just effed up. He's like, just forget it. It's one of your weird dreams. Okay. So I wrote it all down and I didn't know what to do about it. And this is a, an arm of the family that we know, but aren't very close. You know, We don't talk to them every day. And about a month, three, four weeks later, she died in her sleep. Oh. Unexpectedly. And the family was devastated. I mean you know, it was just super out of the blue. But here's the weird thing. After she died, her three kids flourished, just like Maggie and I told her in the dream. The younger one within three months found the love of his life. The second one who had just lost his wife remarried. And a year later, she had twins and they're the cutest little things. The third one also remarried. They had wonderful, I think they have four kids now, and he just bought an actual legit mansion. I don't mean like a McMansion, I mean like a mansion. (laughs) His his business just took off. All three of them, one of them is like touring Europe with his wife and kids. Now they financially, emotionally, their lives are amazing. And do they miss their mom? Of course, she was amazing. But I still don't understand that dream, Denise. Like, why did she have to transition, meaning pass away, in order for that to happen? Right. Well, then we get into soul contracts and family groups and all that business, which is another whole rabbit hole to jump down. But I think that it's... And so what was your your former husband's reaction when this actually happened? He had no... He still doesn't have words for it. I mean, he was dumbfounded. 
I mean, really and truly dumbfounded. And then, you know, like he would, you know, he obviously keeps up with them. And so he he showed me pictures of, of the new mansion on Facebook. And he was like, what the hell? Like, did, like, did she help with this and from heaven? And I said, I guess so. I mean, I can't tell you more accolades because then it's really obvious who I'm talking about. Right. Um, but when I say each of those kids has had huge successes, I'm not exaggerating. Their life went from like zero to 60, you know, after she passed with so much joy. And, and, and again, not saying they're like, woo, mom's gone. I mean, they miss her no, terribly. But, but that goes into, because we've both told people over and over, your people in spirit want to help you. They're there for you. They're going to help you get through this or pave your way or, and people will say, well, how are they going to do that? They're not here, but there's, there's stuff that we can't explain. And this kind of ties into uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. And is it a self-fulfilling prophecy or is the dream actually a premonition or precognitive? Because uh, if it's self-fulfilling, is a belief that it comes true, but because something directly or indirectly caused it to become true. So uh, say someone dreamt about being a doctor when they were a child, and then they directly make that dream happen when they grow up, that would be more of a self-fulfilling prophecy than a premonition. Or if you have a dream about strong negative feelings about people and you have a dream about them, and the next time you see them, they're really rude to you, would that be a premonition or would that be? So I, I think that that's a, not to discount any of this, but sometimes I guess my point is no matter what we dream or experience, it, that clause of subject to change and free will is always, always our default position. So we can, and haven't you talked to someone now as far as they'll say, oh, I dreamt about this person and now we're in a relationship and I just knew that was my person and I really went for it. I really pursued them. So I would have to go self-fulfilling prophecy with that one, not premonition. Or maybe I it's think, both. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it can be different for each situation and I think it depends. If it, We had Phyllis Curat on on the Psychic Teachers podcast and she's a wonderful pagan. She's fascinating to read and follow. She's the one, by the way, she's an attorney also. She's the one who got it legalized for any veterans to have the um, pentacle on their tombstone. Mm -hmm. Did you know that before that was illegal because it wasn't considered a religion? Oh. Yeah. And so Phyllis is the one who rallied Supreme Court and got that changed. Anyway, she writes in, I think, her first book, about how she kept having this recurring dream that she was on a motorcycle with a man and she knew she was in love with this man and she's not like a motorcycle girl. And so she was like, this is weird. And a couple of weeks after she kept having those dreams, a friend emailed her and said, I really want to set you up with someone on a blind date. And because of that dream, Phyllis was like, well, maybe the motorcycle dream was telling me like, just take a chance. Cause I don't, you know, I'm not like a motorcycle person and that kind of symbolizes risk to me. So she went on the blind date and the guy met her on a motorcycle and they're married. <laughs> so who knows? Now, I want to talk about something super cool that I have just been fascinated by. So I mentioned Dean Radin before. He heads up the Noetic Science Institute. If you guys haven't heard of that, please check it out. It's fascinating. They offer awesome online classes. So he's been doing studies with an instrument called the Global Consciousness Program, or GCP. This program mm -hmm. was initially developed by Roger Nelson at Princeton University. The GCP instrument is a network of random number generators spread around the world designed to test whether human emotions on a large scale can affect those random numbers, computers, in significant ways. There are over 60 active computer generators in this network throughout Europe, the United States, Canada, India, Fiji, New Zealand, Japan, China, Russia, Brazil, Africa, Thailand, South America, and Australia. The data that has been archived on the server in Princeton is examined to see if the numbers generated reflect changes before, during, and after global events. 
Dean Radin says the behavior of our network of random sources is correlated with interconnected human consciousness on a global scale. There is a highly significant overall effect on the GCP instrument during special times we identify as global events, which bring great numbers of people to share consciousness and emotions. The effect is a tiny deviation from what is expected, but the patient replication of tests has gradually created very strong statistical support for the reality of the subtle correlation of human consciousness with deviations and random data. Don't you wish these people could sometimes just talk like they don't have an IQ of 160? <laughs> he says the probability that the effect could be just a chance fluctuation is less than one in a billion. We do not know how a mental state, such as an intention or emotion, is able to inform the physical system to affect its behavior. We are driven by the evidence to infer that something like a consciousness field exists. So I just find this absolutely fascinating. He did all this research around 9-11, which we talked about a little bit on last week's show. The vacancy rate on the four planes that crashed on 9-11 was around 80%. This suggests that lots of people found some reason not to travel on those planes on that day. There's even a man who actually listened to his intuition and avoided the World Trade Center bombings twice. His name is Barrett Naylor. Now, He's a Wall Street executive, and he said that on February 26, 1993, the second he got off his plane to head into work, he had a terrible sense of foreboding and decided to return home. Six people were killed that day, and a thousand were injured. On September 11, 2001, the same exact feeling hit him the minute he stepped off the train. Once again, he honored his intuitive feeling and returned home. And how many stories have we read about 9-11 with that? Right. I find that absolutely fascinating. You know, my, my sister-in-law worked at the World Trade Centers in 1993. And when she got into work, you know, it was Ash Wednesday. And, you know, for we Catholics, that's a big deal. But if you are Catholic and you get your ashes, most churches offer a daytime service and a nighttime service to accommodate working people. So she was just going to do it after work. And she suddenly got this feeling, nope, I need to do it now. So she took the train to St. Pat's and got her ashes. And when she came back, the bombing had occurred. And there's, you know, ambulance police everywhere. There were news. She rushes up to see if her people, her team is okay. And this news reporter was like, where were you? And she said, I was at St. Patrick's getting my ashes. And they like pushed her into a limo. And escorted her to the Phil Donahue show. Oh, my. Yep. And she went on the Donahue show to talk about how a good Catholic girl was able to avoid a disastrous day. What? But it's simply from following this premonition she had of not, she didn't have a premonition like, ooh, something bad's happened. She just had this feeling like, I have to go during lunch. So is that a premonition? Is that her guardian angel? You know, sometimes it's really hard to tell. And yet the data that Dean Radin was able, oh, I shouldn't say Dean Radin, it's his whole team. What they were able to show was that two weeks before 9-11, the random num number generators were off the charts with everyone's consciousness going crazy. But they didn't know why. You know, no one knew this was going to happen. So he believes that there's some type of matrix around the earth, like a spider web, you know, and if you, if you pull one string of that web, it vibrates around the whole world and that we subconsciously feel it. You know what I found interesting too, Denise? Mm -hmm. He also studies psychics a lot. You can go to his website, gotsci.com and take some of his psychic tests and people who score really well they'll you have to like put your email in they'll reach out to you if you do really well in those tests and see if you want to be part of their group and some of the psychics that he was studying what he has learned is in those two weeks before 9-11 the psychics on his team scored really bad on test 
making him wonder if our subconscious is tuning into this chaotic, emotional, horrible, terrifying disaster that's coming up. Does it block psychic stuff because it's like too much noise in the air? You can't get a clear signal. I, I think very much so because during this whole pandemic, unrest, uncertainty, a lot of people have been having intense dreams at the same time and then having like weeks of nothing, no, no recollection of their dreams or just snippets and then these waves of really intense dreams again. So I, I truly believe the environmental impact can be huge. I do too. And I, I think some of us need to, you know, just recognize that we've got a little bit of that going on in the world right now. And we need to be easier on ourselves if meditation is hard or we're not remembering our dreams. Because I think it'll be fascinating to see what these uh, random number generating machines, what they report when, you know, COVID is in our rearview mirror, hopefully one day. Else is interesting is people who will meet each other's in in dreams have i've talked to folks and they've said oh i had the same dream as my my partner or my you know interest or my friend or my mother or like someone that there's a close emotional bond but they've had the same or similar dream i think that's interesting yeah i do too i've had that happen to me a few times and sometimes it's kind of random and inconsequential. Like one of, I had a dream years ago that I was walking through this white, like subway type tunnel, you know, like in Grand Central where it's just white um, mm-hmm. tiles all around the ceiling and floor. And it was this arch. And I was walking through with my guide and I saw my colleague walking towards me with her guide. And I just nodded and waved to her and she waved back. And that was all I remember from that dream. And the next day I go into work and I was like, hey, I had a dream about you. And as I'm describing the dream, she's filling in my sentences because she Ooh. had the same dream. Now, I mean, we're friends, but it, it's not like, you know, I understand like when um, lovers have the same dream or mothers, daughters, you know, sons, dads, I, I get that. But we were just good friends, you know, I don't know. But I saw her in my dream and she saw me in her dream. I don't think that was a dream. I think we were visiting our team and I think I saw her. That, I think that's a really, really fascinating because why? You know, why would you just because you were both tapped in at that same frequency at the same time maybe. But another, another way to know if this is a, a premonition or a precognitive dream is the vividness. Is how powerful are your senses in it? Are you... Can you clearly hear the voices? Are you getting, uh, smelling certain things? Are you feeling things with intensity? There's, don't you find that as well with a premonition type dream? There's yes. a vividness and uh, almost sometimes a sense of urgency that is, you know that there's something more. But the, I, again, as always, the dream journal is great. Um, paying attention to the details. Some therapists or uh, readers are not putting them both in the same category, but there are a lot of trained therapists who do work with, with dream symbolism and interpretation. So that can be something to, to check into as well. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that we don't understand time. We don't understand past, present, future. Scientists can't explain it. And when we do have a premonition dream, very often it's not locked in place. It's the future is malleable. It can change. My daughter, Victoria, when she was 10, she woke up one morning and she said, mom, I had a dream that my best friend was moving to Scotland and I'm so sad. And I was like, honey, I don't think he's moving. They're, they're moving to Scotland. Like her, her dad's an engineer, you know, like we're, what's he going to do in Scotland? Mm-hmm. But I was really good friends with the mom, so I called her and I said, you know, Tori had this dream and she's worried that you guys are moving. And she was like, oh my God, my husband just interviewed with a branch of GE in Scotland. Oh my. But he didn't take the job, so they never moved. You know, so to me that shows that the future is mad. Because in Tori's dream, they moved. And like in the dream, she, they were having a going away party. But that ties in with the emotional connection of that would have been very devastating for her if they yeah. had moved. Yeah. 
But I think it's so cool to look at, you know, what is time? There's been no experiment in the history of science that has ever shown that time flows in one direction or even that it flows at all. Physicists talk about this closed time loop theory that can carry information from the future into the present. And so this is one theory on the way premonitions work. Other scientists suggest that the future is already present, already laid out in what is called a block universe. And during premonitions, we might gain access to this already present information. But still other researchers think the mind is non-local, which is just a lovely word for infinite. According to this idea, consciousness is present everywhere in space and time. This means we have access to all the information that has ever existed or will exist past, present, and future. And this opens the door for premonitions. Now, a couple of months ago, I did research for a show on psychic teachers on remote viewing, and I did a deep, deep dive into the CIA's um, now-released reports on remote viewing. And early on, before it even became known as Stargate, when they were doing this in the 40s and 50s, they did these studies that showed, and there's really cool graphs you can find on their, on their website, that showed that every information, past, present, and future, exists. It's out there. It's like picture you're diving in the ocean. You know, there's parts of the ocean that have yet to be explored. And if you consciously explore those dimensions, you will find that information. Yeah. And it's just about, you know, taking the time and in, in, in meditation, learning how to work with your intuition to access that information. Don't you find that that's so much of all of this type of work that we talk about, whether it's your intuition, your mediumship, your connection with other people, the more you practice it, the more you make it just part of who you are and how you navigate life, it does get stronger. So becoming more precognitive about situations is paying attention to it and practicing as simplistic as that sounds. And I do. I think time is a man-made constraint that there would be no, which is we've, we've picked that up from people in spirit that we've talked to before of, you know, that's something that's on this, this realm of existence, not in any other. So if you have had a premonition dream that's kind of scared you or freaked you out, first of all, no, it could be so many things. It could be symbolic. I mean, Carl Jung might have been right. His, his flood and waste dreams might have been his flood of emotions about leaving uh, Sigmund Freud, or it could have been predicting World War I. You know, we don't know. If you do have a premonition dream that kind of freaks you out or scares you, try what I try and just really pray and send positive energy to that image that you dreamt about and ask not only your guides and angels to send positive energy to it, but ask that the guides and angels of the people connected to that event you're dreaming about really step up and work to help you know, prevent whatever it is that you might have been dreaming about. One of the ways I, I can tell for me personally, whether it's a premonition dream or just a you know, scary emotional dream, there's, um, before I get to that, one of my favorite animated movies of all time is called In and Out or Inside Out. And if you guys don't have kids and you haven't seen it, I still recommend you watch it. It's a wonderful movie about emotions. And it's the main character is a middle school girl, and it's about all of her emotions. And in the movie, at the end of the night, it shows her dream team. And they're you know in her brain, and they're like, okay, what did she work on today that we can use in the dreams? And what is she worried about that she needs to let go of? And it talks about how they coordinate to high – like you know, use her dreams to give her messages to help her process her emotions. And I just think that's so cool. So a lot of the dreams that we have might feel like premonitions, but they're really just the way for our emotional body to release stuff that it needs to let go of. So for me, when I have a premonition dream, in the morning, it's so vivid, it's like recalling a memory. But when I have a dream that might feel like a premonition dream, but it's not. It's kind of like trying to capture a deja vu mo moment. You know, when you can't grab it all, it, it keeps leaving you the more you try to remember it. Mm -hmm. 
that's usually for me just a dream. So I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule, but it's, it's worked for me. If it's really clear, specific, and vivid in it, and like you were saying before, I think we talked about it in the dream show, if it has a, big, a logical beginning, middle, and end, it, it can be a premonition dream. But if it's kind of all over the place or there's a lot of symbols or just strange things going on and you, or you can't remember it very clearly, it might just be a dream and a way for your body and your conscious to let go of things it needs to process. And if it comes back again, if you dream it and it, then you have another dream that's similar or is bringing through the same message, that can be a, a red flag or a heads up to say, oh, I really need to pay attention to this because I've found over the years that I'll have stretches where I'll dream about the same symbolism over and over and over until I finally figure it out what they're trying to tell me. And maybe not so much with premonition dreams or precognitive dreams, but I do think sometimes there'll be two or three things that will happen in succession that will give you that heads up. The other part, though, is if you're in the dream and you see yourself doing something you don't like or you're in a situation you want to avoid, maybe that's the, uh, a hint to say you need to make some changes in your present life to prevent an undesirable outcome or there might be people to be more aware of, or situations that might not be for your highest and best. Do I have time for one more story, or are we out of time? Oh, of course. Yes. How much time do we have? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let me wrap up with kind of a spooky story, since we're in the spooky month of October, that I find absolutely intriguing. Charles Dickens wrote a story that he actually was later sued for over a claim of plagiarism. In 1861, he wrote a ghost story about a young painter on a train who meets a pale young lady. She asks the painter if he could paint someone's portrait from memory. The artist says he could, and the young woman says, look at me again. You may have to take a likeness of me. The painter feels the encounter is kind of odd, but they soon part, and he thinks nothing of it. Until two years later, when a grieving father comes to his studio and asks him to paint a portrait of his deceased daughter based on his descriptions. Now, in the story, the artist agrees, but has all these failed attempts, and he's about to give up when he suddenly remembers the strange young woman on the train. He quickly sketches her, and the grieving father lights up, saying, that's she, that's, that's my daughter. As the artist paints the portrait, he asks the father when the young woman dies. And he tells him she passed away two years ago on September 13th, the exact same day the painter met the young lady on the train. So that's the story Dickens wrote. Shortly after that story was published, Dickens received an angry letter from a portrait artist who claimed the story had actually happened to him and was not a work of fiction. The artist had even written down the entire story and was getting it ready for publication when he read Dickens' story. He claims Dickens stole the exact date of the incident, September 13th. And the artist claimed he told several friends, but had never told anyone the date. And this is what most bothered Dickens. When he wrote the story, he didn't include the date, September 13th. But his editor asked him to add it in to give the cliched ending more validity. And without even thinking, Dickens just hastily added in September 13th. So did he plagiarize this story, or was it a psychic premonition? Or was he tapping into that collective energy that's free for all of us to tap into? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we've all heard those stories of people beating each other to the patent office, right? Mm -hmm. They have the same invention. I think those stories are fascinating. So I think every famous writer has been sued for plagiarism because other people say they have the same exact idea. I always have this idea that there's like this, this creative group of souls on the other side, and they're made of the best of the best, you know, the best writers and artists, sculptors, etc. And I think they come up with all these ideas, and they're like, oh, that would really help humanity now. And so they just drop it into this web that surrounds the earth. And whoever is open to it and is the first one to grab it and birth it into creation is the one who gets the credit. But I think all that stuff comes through. It's not from us. Well, see, I had heard this years ago that their spirit will present these, however you want, spirit's a very loose term for, for your own belief system, or, or you can fill in the blanks with that. 
But so if a book or a song or something needs to come that's going to be of service and help people, they may come to me and say, Denise, this is what we want you to write. And I say, nope, I'm not doing it. So then they'll go to the next person with the next, they'll find someone who's willing to take the project. So, and that goes into, is it presented so that just as a very loose explanation, five people get this same idea for the same project at the same time. Are we all tapping into that or has it been presented to each of those five people to say, okay, run with it, see what you get. I just, I love, love, love that stuff. I do too. I do too. And it, it, it explains premonitions, precognition, clairvoyance. It explains all of that to me in a really neat and tidy package. And I like the idea of all these people on the other side, like working together creatively. When my friend George, after he passed and I learned how to connect with his energy, I asked him, you know, what are you doing over there? Like, what are you doing in heaven? And he said, I'm working with musicians and we're creating amazing music to deliver to you guys. Oh. And so I've always had that idea that he's still doing his music, writing music and singing his songs and just dropping it into different musicians and seeing who takes it and, you know, and who doesn't, which is why we always have to be aware of meeting the muse. We've got to show up, right. be receptive. But even if it's not a creative thing, I still think we have to show up and be receptive because our invisible helpers, you can call them whatever fits your belief system. I call them guides and angels, but they're always around us and they're always trying to help us on our path. But if we're constantly tuned out, you know, if we're constantly on our phone and we've got our earbuds in our ear and we're always staring at a TV or our nose in a book and, and we're just distracting ourselves constantly, and we're not slowing down, we're not concentrating, we're not staying present, we're not connecting with nature, we're not tuning within, we're going to miss all that help. True. Very true. Well, if you guys have had a cool dream or premonition that has come true, we'd love to hear about it. You can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. And please join us on Facebook. You can find us there at Enlightened Empaths. Denise and I are also on Instagram. I'm under Chakra Chick and you're under... Grateful Messenger. Grateful Messenger. Thank you. You're welcome. And if you love the show, we would really appreciate you leaving us a five-star review on iTunes so more and more people can find us. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. And sweet dreams.